Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great as the fall gets underway. Kind of wild how quick that summer came and went, but I hope you had a good one. Today's episode is an episode that, you know, would be nice if I didn't have to make it, but I do because, you know, this is a, it's a trying moment, I think, for progressives in the United States right now as we try to get to the finish line on some big progressive legislation that can be a real game changer. And, you know, there's just, we don't, you know, it's hard to get that unruly coalition together. And, uh, you know, obviously things didn't go swimmingly in Afghanistan on the pullout. I think it was the right thing to do, and it wasn't nearly as bad as what uh, the media claimed. But, again, could have could have certainly gone better. And then, of course, we have the zombies who are prolonging the pandemic, and, you know, the list goes on, right? But what I want to talk about today is the extremism on the left that is part and parcel of some of these issues. And the point here is that we really need to confront our own, you know, our own people when they're, you know, kind of going off the rails a little. And I want to start this by saying unequivocally that I'm not making a false equivalency between the left and the right. So let me just stake out the territory here, right? The right wing in America is a fascist death cult. They will burn this country to the ground without blinking, okay? The mainstream conservative movement is rotten to the core intellectually and morally and is a truly malevolent force in America. Now, the main media and political operatives of the right are just opportunists of the worst sort. They know what they're doing, spreading lies, hate, and chaos for profit and power, and they don't care. These are true monsters, right? The whole Trump cabal, Fox News, you know, OAN media, Breitbart, down the line. These are, you know, these are the villains of villains, okay? But the rest of the conservative movement that aren't actively peddling the lies, but kind of just not really contesting it that much and kind of loving their tax cuts and their judges, they're complicit in the madness, and they are almost as much to blame as the provocateurs, okay? So that's what the right wing is. On the left, what do we have? We have a small fringe of bad actors in the Democratic Party that I'm going to talk about that are saying and doing some stuff that is really negative and harmful. And I'm going to call them out, and we should all call them out. There are also larger forces on the left, not necessarily in the Democratic Party, but in the left that are also extremists and dangerous and are doing bad stuff. And so, you know, I would say if you were to try to quantify this, you know, it's 10 to 1 worse on the right than the left, okay? And again, the the malevolent forces of the right control the Republican Party and they are the mainstream of the conservative movement. Whereas the extremists on the left are much less numerous and they hold much 
less power and sway within the Democratic Party. So there is no equivalence between the right and the left in America. And I will, you know, I will state that proudly and unequivocally day after day after day. Okay, that being said, there are dangerous, malevolent forces on the left and within the progressive movement. And there are even some people flirting with some pretty negative stuff within the Democratic Party. Small numbers, but still they need to be called out because we don't want it to grow. And also in our insane and absurd media environment, extremists on the left often get disproportionate attention, right? It's just kind of par for the course that the Republican Party is a fascist death cult. We literally have memos coming out in which, you know, the highest levels of the administration of the last administration are documenting their plans to stage a coup and people just shrug it off, right? So, you know, the Republican Party threatening to default on the U.S. debt, we shrug it off. But, you know, if someone in the Democratic Party and the left says something horrible, you know, it gets a lot of media attention. And it is what it is. We can complain about the biases in media, but they exist and we just have to deal with them, right? If we didn't have any problem, if we weren't, you know, having any extremists on the left, there wouldn't be any issue of them being exaggerated because they wouldn't be there to exaggerate in the first part. And the, uh, the right wing would just have to do what it does best, which is just fabricate and lie. But we don't want to give them fodder, right? And again, these are serious issues. Now, this has been in the media also. Um, you know, The Economist had a front page article on the illiberal left um, Ann Applebaum in the Atlantic had a big article about the new Puritans talking about, you know, woke culture. Sam Harris, you know, has millions of followers. He just rails against wokeness and the far left all the time. Bill Maher also, I think, goes after the far left. He's a lot more constructive, I think, and less hyperbolic. But Ann Applebaum, The Economist, Sam Harris, I mean, they are just, you know, they're sounding the alarms. And so when it's all across the media, in many different media environments, we really need to take this stuff seriously. Now, again, there is no evidence that left-wing extremism of any kind is nearly as pervasive as these critics claim, right? Um, but again, the influence could grow, and any amount is bad. And so we should focus some attention, not a lot, not disproportionate, but some attention on confronting it head-on, which is what I plan to do here in this, you know, in this episode. I addressed some of this in my podcast on the extremes of wokeness back on June 9th. So I did a whole episode on this. If you're interested, check it out. It's the June 9th episode. Uh, I want to revisit that some of the themes in that episode uh, before moving on to some stuff that's even more troubling on the left and in the progressive movement. So. As I mentioned earlier, wokeness at its core arose because the white male Christian patriarchy that has dominated America for its entire existence, hundreds of years, is finally being challenged in a serious way. And it is no coincidence that the most people who are the most upset about wokeness are white men and then some white women, right? And many of them are too dim to see the irony that it's the, you know, it's the people, they are the representatives of the power structure, and they are the ones most upset about it, which again is a classic irony, but most people are just too, uh, 
you know, too dense to see that. The groups who have been marginalized actively and oppressed actively in America for centuries now have voice, or at least more voice. And of course, with the internet and all the internet platforms, they can express those voices loudly and sometimes also obnoxiously. So before revisiting the critiques of wokeness, it's important to reemphasize that we're undergoing a natural rebalancing of cultural and political power as America tries to mature into a true multiracial, multi-ethnic democracy. So a lot of this is normal. It's not to say it's good, but it's normal. Okay. So I want to emphasize, though, with all that being said, where I do think the critiques of the left and of woke culture are on the mark. Okay. First, trying to shame people who aren't sensitive to the latest cultural language around sexuality or race is just bad. It's bad substantively, it's bad intellectually, it's bad morally, and it's bad politically. It's just all bad, right? There are plenty of well-intentioned people who are, you know, not your all-out racist, sexist, homophobic people who have not kept up with the latest thing on pronouns or the latest thing on, you know, how to, you know, talk about different races or racial groups in the most sensitive way. And if they say something that might be a little impolitic and then they are just hounded and denounced as racist or sexist, they're going to get in a big defensive crouch for a good reason. Because they're going to say, wait up, I'm well-intentioned. I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. I didn't realize this thing I said was so offensive. And the moment I say it, you're just going to pounce on me like I'm some horrible person. Fuck you. Right. And I, I can relate to that. Right. I'm about as liberal as they come on most issues, and I'm not up on the latest, right? I'm sure I'll say things that are not, you know, the most sensitive because the language is changing quickly. And as soon as you get, you know, you you get the latest language and you think you're doing right, then there's another thing changes. And, And I think we just need to be really generous and kind with people. Of course, there are just some racist, sexist assholes who are just going to purposely say things that are oppressive and insensitive, but that's not the majority of Americans, right? And so just saying to someone, oh, hey, you know, I prefer it if you, you know, didn't use that term around me, or here's why I think this is it, or could you please, you know, people might be a little miffed by that. They still might be like, huh, wow, that's what, what's up with that? Like, why do I have to change my language? It might be an inconvenience, but it's probably not going to get them mad. It's not going to create a backlash, right? And that's what we really want to avoid. Right? So that's part one. Part two is trying to cancel people for things they did or said many years or decades ago, particularly in their youth when they were in high school or even earlier or early college, and, you know, and then shame them or try to get them to lose their jobs or whatever. That's just bad, right? You know, like I'll say this, you know, those without error cast the first stone. Is there anybody among us who's never said a racist thing, a sexist thing, a homophobic thing, an impolitic thing, who's never been an asshole in public or said something on the internet or in a video or did had a costume that was insensitive. Maybe there are people like that out there. I don't know them. And I'm certainly not one of them. I have said fucked up things in my life. I have said, you know, borderline racist stuff, homophobic stuff, 
whether in a fit of anger or as a joke or whatever, or just because I didn't know any better, you know. And again, I'm not sexist, racist, or homophobic, but at some point in my life, I have said stupid shit. And so, you know, I think this trying to cancel everyone, this kind of purity police is just, again, bad, bad, and bad. Bad substantively, because nobody is perfect, and no one should be condemned for, you know, for the rest of their life or their career because they said something stupid. It's fine to point it out. Say, hey, I noticed in this tweet from 10 years ago you said this. Can you elaborate on that? Was that a mistake? Was it a joke? And let them, you know, let them defend themselves. If someone says, no, that's how I believe now, okay. Well, then maybe that person should be canceled. But if they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. That was I was drunk. I was stoned or I was a joke or whatever. I really feel bad about that. You know, I'm going to delete that. You know, my bad. Let, let's move on, right? Everybody should, should get a, you know, should get another, a, no one should be condemned by a tweet from, you know, when they're 15, okay? So that's this next point. The, 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 the next point I want to make is something that Bill Maher brought, brought up. I'm going to put a link to his new rules from um, Friday, September 24th, where he talked about this pushing for separation in racial politics. And he talks about how we're now doing a second national anthem in the NFL, one that's kind of a black liberation anthem. And he's saying, you know, what's up with like separate national anthems for different racial groups? And he's talking about different dorms and colleges. And these are liberal colleges. We have the black dorm, the Asian dorm. And I think he's making a really good point that that's not, that's not the direction progressives should be going. Right, we should be trying to craft a unifying national narrative. He even points out, he said, "Hey, you want to scrap the national anthem that we have now? Great, and put a new one in. Fine, but let's not have multiple national anthems." And I think the same thing. His critique about universities that have you know different ethnicities have their own dorm isn't the point of college that you're going to be with different people. I mean, you know that it does sound very counterproductive. And these are at some of the most liberal institutions, so. I think it's worth listening to his new rules on that. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, And again, Bill Maher, I don't agree with him all the time, but I think he's critiquing the left from a good place. He's a liberal. He wants liberals to succeed. So he's doing what I'm doing now, right, which is trying to confront our own enemies and call us on our own bullshit because he wants us to improve. He's making a good faith argument. Whereas, again, I think the Sam Harris's, as much as he's a liberal, he just gets off on slamming the left and making false equivalents. That's part of his shtick, and it's annoying and it's obnoxious. You know, the Economist talking about the illiberal left. You know, they're a center-right publication. They bash Trump and the right wings. They want to do this kind of false equivalency bullshit. I don't. You know, they're they're again. I think most of the people at that magazine mean well, but they can kind of dip their waters into a lot of nonsense. But again, I think Bill Maher. I give him a lot of credit that even when I disagree with him, I think it's coming from a good place. Like, I think he really wants to see us do right. And, and then, you know, a couple last points here. You know, I think there's a lot on the left who don't want to acknowledge the racial progress that has been made. You know, it's fine to talk about white supremacy and the legacy and need for reparations. I do all the time. But it's also good to just point out, you know, we have made racial progress in the United States. It's not as bad as it was in most parts of the country. And it's okay to celebrate progress. That's the whole point of being a progressive. 
Celebrating progress doesn't mean the project is over, but it's a good notion. You know, Americans don't want to think that they haven't made any progress and everything's the worst it's ever been. You know, so I think that kind of walk and chew gum at the same time, acknowledge progress, but acknowledge there's a lot of work to be done will serve us well. Uh, And then the final thing I want to mention here on wokeness is there's a thread in the kind of wokeness dialogue that one's racial identity is kind of the top of mind for everything. It's paramount. It can't ever be divorced from anyone's views and opinions, culturally or politically. If you're a white man, you're just steeped in white supremacy, and you're just always going to be coming from it from that lens, and you should never be, you know, appropriate other people's culture by mixing it with your own. And, you know, if a white person writes a novel with a black character, that's cultural appropriation. Stay in your lane. And again, I want to reject that, too. It's another thing Bill Maher has really taken on. I mean, that is bullshit, right? The whole point of America, of a multiracial, multiethnic democracy, is that we share culture. We should, we should you know, give attribution, right, when we, you know, when we, if we, if we use something. But, but it's not like every moment we have to say, oh, thank you, thank you to all, every group when we, you know, when we eat Mexican food, thank the Mexicans. When we listen to R&B, thank black people. We can just have that awareness that we owe a debt to all these different groups and that the beauty of America is all this melting and merging and fusing. And, you know, and that it's okay if a black person wants to write a book with a white protagonist or make a movie about white people, I'm like, fine, let's judge it on its merit not the fact of the identity of the person doing it. And I really do think these few critiques of wokeness are legit, right? Wokeness has gone too far in some ways, and it has harmed people, right? Um, This is obviously just a quick list, but I think this is stuff that left needs to take seriously, right? We need to remind ourselves, we are the ones who want a diverse and inclusive society. The right wing is the white supremacist, Christian theocracy. They're the ones that don't think you're you're black and brown, you're a real American unless you pay fealty to their, you know, bullshit cult, right? So we have to model that behavior. And some of us in the progressive movement movement and in the left are doing a bad job, and we need a course correction. We have to model an aware and an aware and woke reality that is welcoming and inviting and doesn't push the majority away because they aren't perfect and pure, and exactly where we want them to be right now, okay? So that's my take on wokeness, Um, kind of a little update from my June discussion. And after the break, I'm going to come back with two additional areas where I think the left and even some key Democrats are, are, are wading in some pretty problematic waters. Okay, so to begin here, there's this group of six very progressive Democrats in the House of Representatives that are referred to as the squad. This is AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, Cori Bush, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Jamal Bowman. 
On most economic policy matters, I agree with them close to 100%. They stand for strong social welfare policy, climate policy, and a more progressive tax system. When they talk basic economic policy, it's like music to my ears. I love it. But many of them, in fact, most of those six, have been peddling in some anti-Semitic tropes that are extremely dangerous and help fuel the huge amount of anti-Semitic violence in the U.S. Now, again, there is no equivalency between the left and the right on this issue. Right-wing terrorists are actually murdering Jewish people, um, like they did in Pittsburgh a few years ago. And there is a long, proud tradition of Jewish and black civil rights and progressive coalitions going back many decades. So the right wing is way, way worse on this. However, the language of many people in the squad does feed into the general levels of hatred against Jews, and it's disgusting. It needs to stop. Right? What they do is they peddle in some of this vague, shadowy language that cat, and sometimes they don't even use the word Jewish, but they're making allusions. The language that views Jews as kind of devious and nefarious and not to be trusted. Uh, Elon Omar talked about kind of dual loyalty, and that's the kind of the trope that they're loyal to Israel more than they are to the United States. I want to say unequivocally, I think Democratic leadership needs to take a much stronger stance against them on this key point. Say stop peddling in anti-Semitic tropes. This is not who we are in the Democratic Party. It is not acceptable. It's the right thing to do morally and also politically because progressive Jews are a key part of the Democratic Party. And if they believe rightly that Democratic leadership is turning a blind eye to rise, rising anti-Semitism within their ranks, they may bail and, and they will have reason to bail. Now, again, it's one thing to criticize Israel and its policy, and I do strongly. But it's another thing for this to bleed over into conspiratorial language that paints Jewish people in a nefarious way. It's a line that a sophisticated party should walk with confidence, right? Again, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can criticize Israel strongly and forcefully while not bleeding over into anti-Semitism. We can do this. We should do it confidently, and that's a good service to do, to show people that you can criticize Israel without being anti-Semitic. So again, I really want to say I want to see that from Democratic leadership. I want to see them called out and told, do not go there, right? Do not give the right-wing fodder and do not throw the Jewish people under the bus with this nonsense. Now, the next issue here relates to the anti-vax madness that is prolonging the pandemic and killing tens of thousands of Americans, right? Because the reality is the raging pandemic that's killing 2,000 people a day right now, which is where we have, you know, 4% of the world's population and we have 25% of the COVID deaths, right? That's where we are in America, despite the fact that we are the first ones to develop the vaccine and we have a free vaccine that is a miracle drug that anyone off the street can get anywhere practically in America. And we're 2,000 people dying a day, let alone all the incredible people who are getting, you know, serious life-altering injuries from COVID, even if they're not dying. And this is because it's a pandemic now of the unvaccinated. If it was only the unvaccinated suffering, it would be horrible, but it at least would be, you know, we could say, hey, you know, you want to do that and take your risk? Fine. But of course, it's not that simple, 
They're crowding hospitals, which is making people suffer and even die who need treatment for other illness. They're passing it on to healthcare workers. They're stressing out the healthcare system. They're passing it on to kids. There are small numbers of vaccinated people who are also getting very sick and even some of them dying. So this is not, it is a pandemic of the unvaccinated that is bleeding over to the vaccinated and to the general population and to the people who've been unable to get vaccinated. So, you know, again, while most anti-vaxxers and the most anti-vax stuff is on the right and most COVID deaths right now are among Trump voters, there is a loud and non-trivial number of progressives and people on the far left who have drunk this anti-vax Kool-Aid and are peddling in outrageous conspiracy theories. The left is always skeptical of power, right? That's our part of our nature, right? Much more so than the right wing that always seeks strong leaders to control them as they have more authoritarian leadings, which is why they fell into the Trump cult so easily. But the left has always had lots of fertile ground for conspiracy. I know it. I'm in progressive circles. I'm on the left. And I know all about all the crazy conspiracies, right? But now this has merged with extreme elements of kind of what I would call the holistic health community that thinks most modern medicine is bad and that vaccines are either unnecessary or harmful. Because they have the benefit of living in an advanced country where the overwhelming majority are vaccinated against most diseases, they have the luxury to deny vaccinations and not suffer many consequences. But they have gotten crazier in the age of COVID, and their anti-vax insanity is harming thousands of people. Case in point is Robert Kennedy Jr., right? He is one of the de facto leaders of the anti-vax movement. He is a man who used to be an incredible progressive champion, but is now so unhinged that he has even spoken about his anti-vax madness at neo-Nazi marches in Germany. No joke. He has been associated with neo-Nazi marches in Germany to spread anti-vax madness. Now, again, I want to be clear here. I'm a huge believer in eating a healthy whole foods diet. I always try herbal and less invasive methods to cure illness. Um, But I know that vaccines are miracle drugs, particularly the, um, the COVID vaccine. It's just a miracle that we could have a drug to pretty much eliminate the pandemic you know, with less than a year after the pandemic started. That's just an incredible modern miracle. What I hate about vaccines is the animal testing. That should be banned. That where, you know, that we inject monkeys with vaccines and illness and study them and kill them. That is cruel and evil, and I don't support it, and that should absolutely be eliminated from the, the vaccine chain, and that is a legitimate critique. But not taking a COVID vaccine that is being administered to billions of people doesn't help with that. And there are probably, you know, the most miraculous vaccines of all time. And ending the COVID back pandemic is, should be our first order of business. So one can be healthy and believe in taking care of oneself and still appreciate the aspects of modern medicine that are true miracles. I want to even just point out, like, I don't take the flu vaccine, not because I don't believe in vaccines, but because I rarely get the flu. And if I do get it, I stay inside. And I don't give it to other people, right? COVID has the issue. People say the same thing. Hey, it's up to me. If I get COVID, that's my problem. It's not true because COVID can be asymptomatic and it is very infectious. So you can get COVID and not know it and spread it around to people. 
It does not happen with the flu, right? When you get flu, you get sick right away. And if you stay inside, you're not passing it around to anybody, right? I have never passed the flu on to anybody because I, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm sick, I stay home for a few days, I get over it and I go back, right? So COVID and flu are different. So again, I was first in line for COVID vaccine, but I, I, I rarely get the flu vaccine. In fact, I don't think I've gotten it for, you know, 15, 20 years because I just don't get the flu. I take good care of myself. And if I get sick in the winter, I stay home and I don't go around people. So, right, there's a way to thread this needle that's not that hard. So, obviously, I'm very pro-COVID vaccine. And so, the the last point I just want to make here is that the left needs to get its house in order because we really want to avoid backlash, right? You know, all the things the left is doing is going to create backlash and also going to make really strange bedfellows. You know, when a progressive champion of like Robert Kennedy Jr. is hanging out with neo-Nazis, I'm thinking something is going off the rails. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so for today's antidote, it's going to be very direct. We need to call out left-wing extremism and confront it whenever we see it. We need to police our own or we're going to risk big losses substantively and politically. Calling out left-wing extremism is the right thing to do on every level. Right? There are, there's some really damaging stuff going on on the left and we need to put a stop to it. The right wing will lie and exaggerate. It's what they do. They are liars, they are provocateurs, and they have no shame. They don't care, right? Let's not give them anything to work with. We all want a strong, progressive nation, and we are on the cusp of some very big victories that could really fundamentally change America for the better. So let's not blow it. And I want to be clear, just because something is small and on the fringe doesn't mean it won't grow quickly. I have watched the right wing over 20 years go from George Bush and Dick Cheney to Sarah Palin to birtherism to the cult of Donald Trump to right out, straight out fascism death cult in 20 years. It went from something that was bad but not at this level to something horrific. And so things can grow quick if they are unchallenged and not confronted. And we cannot let that happen amongst our team, our coalition of progressives and liberals. So it might be uncomfortable, but if it's a friend, friend, family, colleague, group you're part of, social media, call people out if they're saying stupid shit. And again, don't do it in a ridiculous way. Do it in a sensible way. Hey, what do you mean that person should be canceled because of a tweet they did when they were 14? Have you talked to them about it? Have you engaged them? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Why are you sharing that anti-vax 
you know, thing on Facebook. Well, where's that coming from? This isn't this is a pandemic killing 2000 people a day. What are you doing? You haven't gotten vaccinated. You know, everyone I know is vaccinated and they're, you know, and they're what, what what's going on here? You know, these just, you know, confront people in ways that show that you want to engage, but you don't have to try to shame anyone or, you know, um, you know, or, or be harsh with anyone unless, of course, they do something, you know, truly outrageous. And then, you know what? Just shut it down. Right. And um, this is the work, you know, that we need to do to police our own. So with that, everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. You can get the uh, DZA um, playlist on Spotify as well. Subscribe to that. And um, I'm going to put again the link to the new rules for Bill Maher in the show notes, as well as the uh, link to the DZA website. So with that, everybody, be well, take care, stay safe.